It is Wednesday, April the 6th, and that means that we have one more sleep until opening day. It is a season preview bonus edition, everybody, of Toe in the Slab, pitching with David Cohn, David Cohn, James Smythe, myself, Justin Shackle. We are going to quickly get you ready for the 2022 Major League Baseball season. So we have a series of props that we think cover what you should be watching for in 2022 and of course many of them are pitching related it is a pitching podcast after all guys we had a lot of fun with our pitch draft earlier in the off season i like making picks with you guys you guys good to go yes let's do it all right so yeah we have about 10 props that we're going to run through here but before we dive in i want to get a sense of where your guys uh, heads are at here as we get closer to opening day and first pitch what do each of you believe will be the biggest storyline in baseball to follow this season well you know for me that there's so many unpredictable things about baseball that can happen so it's something that the biggest storyline will probably be something we don't even know or realize yet but with that being said to me it's the continuing influx of great young talent into this game there's already great follows Shohei Otani following up his MVP season a young superstar uh, Juan Soto, maybe <laughs> just an incredible talented hitter, uh, along with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., great follows, great young stars. But to me, the newcomers, Bobby Witt Jr., we mentioned it on our, on our podcast the other day, uh, Julio Rodriguez in Seattle, time for him to go, just tremendous talent. Uh, Spencer Torkelson, check, as you mentioned, with Detroit as well. Hunter Green, flamethrowing starting pitcher with the Cincinnati Reds, are going to start with their prospective teams right out of the gate, right out of spring training. That's a great sign for baseball, you know, and then eventually maybe uh, Adley Rushman, you know, uh, the guy, uh, the, one of the best catching prospects of the last decade or so with Baltimore may make his debut at some point coming up. Probably he's been injured a little bit, so he's probably not going to make his debut on opening day. But to me, that's a great story. I can't wait. If I'm, if I'm in Kansas City right now, I'm buying opening day tickets to go see Bobby Wood Jr. right now because he's on that team coming out of spring training. What about you, James? What kind of baseball are we going to have? We've we've talked about this at length, the, the juice ball, the de-juice ball. Everything's going to come down to what the actual physical properties and behavior of the baseball are going to be, and we have no guidance from MLB on what it is. So, you know, should we be taking the over on all the home run props or the under? <laughs> Very true. I think those are really – two good points to have because they're expansive that we're not going to, you know, we're going to know the extent of how these rookies perform from start to finish now, right. From opening day through the end of the regular season. And I think we're only going to have a cumulative amount of information, James, about the composition of the baseballs until we're probably in the middle of the off season coming off after this, this full campaign. So, uh, Hey, you never know. We could, you know, find out something midway like last year and rules can change. We'll see what happens uh, for me. I'm watching to see how the landscape of the American league can change. It's kind of a broad scope here, but for several years, you know, it's been the Astros, the Yankees, the Rays as well. They've been kind of the three consistent mainstays in the American league, but I wouldn't be shocked if they are still up there come October, but I also wouldn't be shocked if some new teams pass them by Toronto you know, the White Sox were there the last couple of years. I think they're ready to make a deeper run in October. Seattle is on the rise. Detroit, even. They just traded for Austin Meadows. Perhaps the Angels a little bit. 
I think we, we see some new blood in the postseason, but that means that some familiar teams are going to be taking a backseat here. Great point. You know, it's a expanded postseason play. 12 teams now get in. Is this the year the Angels and Mike Trout with Shohei Otani finally get showcased in the national stage? So, you know, th those are all very valid points. Uh, to me, too, the universal DH is a big storyline as well. I mean, we got a little taste of it a couple of years ago in the COVID shortened season, but now a full year of the universal DH lends me, you know, that coupled with the shortened spring training, starting pitching a little bit behind to start the season. And it makes me think that offense is going to be up this year. And then I'm with James on that, you know, depending on which ball and which version of the baseball we're going to be using, but I think it's a pretty safe assumption that uh, offense is going to be up. Yeah. All right, guys, let's get into these props here. First one, it is Yankee related. And it has to do with the big sluggers in the lineup. The number of home runs hit by Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, and Joey Gallo will set the bar at 100 and a half home runs. I'd like to up the ante and throw Josh Donaldson in that and go 120. So there you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict those four guys hit 120. As far as the over and under on your original question, Judge, Stanton, and Gallo at 105, I'm taking the over. I'll go over. I think this is strictly this strictly becomes a bet on the health of Judge and Stanton, and to an extent Donaldson adding Coney's uh, addition there. And uh, for now, positivity, optimism, and uh, I think as long as these guys play a decent amount, they don't, it's not like they all have to play 155 games. I think they'll go over that. Yeah, I think any of this trio could lead this pack in home runs this season. And I, I expect Stanton to kind of further remove himself from his soft tissue injuries that have kind of casted him as an injury-prone player. I think he's proven without a doubt he can handle the New York market. And that's really tough to say when you don't have a, a ring to show for it. And with Judge, I think he continues to stay healthy because he's going to continue to play smarter. So he's going to do damage there. I'm going to take the over with uh, 100 and a half home runs. And yeah, I like the Donaldson addition to go over 120 and a half for sure. I think this is a, a big turnaround season from, for the Yankees offense compared to last year. All right. The number of wins by the San Francisco giants, 107 win team from a year ago. And we are setting the bar here at 90 and a half wins. What do you have? That's so difficult, right? Who are the, the San Francisco Giants? They were driven by a resurgence of veteran players in their production last year. So I, you, you would say, you know, that they're due for a regression. How much that regression will be, uh, you know, remains to be seen. Uh, but that's just such, such a, a tough question. I'm going to take the under on the Giants this year at 90.5. Yeah, I'm sorry to say uh, to be the same there, but this is – a pretty steep drop that we're saying because they could this is at least 17 wins fewer than last year but i think everything went right last year and 107 wins was absolutely incredible looking at some of the projection systems that they did overperform last year the vegas over under is about 85 and a half um so i think i'll, I'll go under there and they're going to have 19 games with the dodgers the padres are probably going to be better this year so i think there's um, a little bit of uh, regression to the mean to use a, a cone phrase there. That's a great point, James, because this is the last year of the unbalanced schedule as well. So they do have to contend with the Dodgers 19 times as, as you uh, rightfully mentioned there next year is going to be interesting with uh, you know, a balanced schedule where everybody plays everybody, you know, a completely different thing next year, but this is the last year of the 
unbalanced schedule of Red Sox, Yankees, button heads, you know, 18, mm-hmm. 19 times and the same, the same out there in LA with the Dodgers and Giants. Yeah, I think the Padres, the Dodgers are two teams that have gotten better within the Giants division. I think if you look at their performance against the bottom feeders in the division, they went a combined 32 and six against the D-backs and the Rockies. And we know this, the laws of baseball say that's pretty unlikely to happen again. We've seen career years in 2021, some resurgence tours for others with the Giants. James, like you said, everything kind of clicked. It's, it's tough to see all that repeating itself in 2022 so i'll take the under as well we are in lockstep so far gentlemen uh all right the number of wins by the other bay area team the oakland a's fresh off their latest trade of sean Manaya, will set the bar at 68 and a half victories this season for the a's uh, you know i as as disappointing as it is to see teams have fire sales and and the the tanking issue that's been the the big topic on baseball over the last several years. I think the Oakland A's did a really good job and Billy Bean is one of the best at, uh, at identifying talent and the, the trades that they made, they really got some good talent back. So I'm going to take the over. I think, you know, uh, a lot of those young players they have in those trades coming in are, are pretty close to break it in, ready to play in the big league. So I'm going to take the over. I mean, 68 wins is not a lot, 68 and a half. You know, I, I think Oakland gets, gets over that. Sorry to be a curmudgeon, but I will go under. I think it's just pathetic what the A's have done, uh, tearing the team down to the studs. Uh, Michael Bauman, I think it was, from um, the ringer saying, he made the point that the A's tearing their payroll down, now they're around $30 million. That's half of what the NHL salary floor is. For any team in the major leagues to be doing that is criminal. And I think they go under. I think whoever's still around still could go. Frankie Montas isn't gone yet. I think they do trade him eventually either uh, on the eve of the season or perhaps waiting until the deadline when the starting pitching market could heat up. But I think that even though they have gotten some pieces back, I don't know if they're particularly ready to contribute to a, a, a lot of MLB wins at this point. I think it, I think they go under. Yeah. We're still hours away from first pitch on opening day and it's still a legit possibility that, a guy like Frankie Montas and their catcher, Sean Murphy, who I think is one of the you know best top seven, top 10 catchers in the league. They could be on another team by the time they see their first pitches of 2022. And yeah, I, I don't like what the A's have done because I thought they were a few pieces away from actually being a legit title contender. They obviously go the other way in the extreme, but David, I'm kind of with you here. I don't, group the A's in with some of the other teams that we associate with tanking. I think they do it right. And over the last 25 years, if you don't include 2020, the A's have won fewer than 68 and a half games just twice. So yeah, they're showing that they kind of don't want to win right now. They have their plan, but they don't exactly spend years in the futility hole. They find ways to kind of get it done. They have good player evaluation. Yeah, I think it's a last place team. I think we're cutting it close, but I feel safe in taking the over with the Oakland Hayes at a 68 and a half wins. All right, staying out West. Shohei Otani's home run total in 2022 at 40 and a half home runs. Yes. um, I'm going to take the under just because uh, 
you know, the, he's, people are so aware of him now he's going to get pitched around a lot. You know, if I, if I'm pitching to that lineup, you know, you're worried about Mike Trout, obviously, you know, who's been perennially the best player in the game all around best player, but Shohei Yotani's in, in there. Uh, I'm going to pitch around him. So he's not going to get as many opportunities. He's not sneaking up on anybody anymore. Um, even though people know Shohei Yotani, he's, he's already a legend uh, in, in terms of his worldwide popularity. Um, he's not going to get as many pitches to hit this year. So I'm going to take the under. That's a good point. Uh, as rational or irrational as it may be, give me over all the Otani props, all the <laughs> Otani questions over, over, over. This guy is unbelievable. He was the storyline of the 2021 season and he exceeded everyone's expectations. He had so much hype coming out of Japan and he did it. And he was clearly the MVP. He was so good that he made Vlad Guerrero Jr. an MVP afterthought. Now going into this season, he says, obviously skills wise, there's room for improvement. What? How do you improve <laughs> off of that? And physically, I already feel a lot stronger than last year. I think he goes over. I think he kills it on the mound too. Give me all the overs on Otani. It is tough to wrap our heads around Shohei Otani actually finding ways to improve off his 2021 season. I hate doubting the great Otani. I desperately want to be proven wrong on this year. James, my heart's with you, but I think, hey, how like how greedy are we to expect something to equal last year's performance from Shohei Otani? I'm going to go with the under, but I do say somewhere between 35 and 40 home runs, not, not too far off the mark. All right, number of teams to win at least 90 games in the American League East. There were four teams that won at least 91 games in 2021 in the AL East. Let's set the number at two and a half teams. You know, that, you know, you, you talk about the teams that could potentially win, you know, 90 or 91 games. To me, it's sort of predicated on the Baltimore Orioles. How many, how many games are they giving away again this year? Whenever you have, you know, somebody that's just giving away wins that is in a total rebuild that, that just, you know, is almost uncompetitive at times during, during the season. You know, that's a story. So how good are the Baltimore Orioles and how many games are they going to give away? I'm still going to take the over on two and a half at two and a half. You know, I think there'll be at least three teams that, that, that get to that, that point of over 90 wins. I think this was the trickiest question of the bunch uh, that you, that you sent over because you can see last year, the Orioles lost all those games. So it really did kind of push the league, the division over the top there. And it was the first time since the wildcard era came in and we have the six divisions that we had four in one division win 90 games, 91 games. And now going into this year, I think the Blue Jays are there. I think the Yankees are right on the line, maybe 91, 92, 93. And so then I would only need one of the next two. And I will doubt the Rays at my own peril. So I, I until they drop, I'm going to stick with them. So I think that gives us the three, even though I'm a little more down on Boston than, than most uh, might be this year. But I think they do get the three teams to win 90 games. So I'll go over. It's a great point. You know, uh, Chris Sale hurts Boston, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And not being in that rotation. You know, how soon does Baltimore turn the page? When does Grayson Rodriguez, our, our friend in, uh, from the towing with the slab, make his debut? Because he's really good. And uh, Adley Rushman as well. When do these uh, these great young players for Baltimore come up? And that could really impact, you know, uh, how many how many wins are, are out there for the American League East. 
Yeah, I'm intrigued to see what kind of second half team the Baltimore Orioles are right. in 2022 if they bring up their wave of youth coming up between Rodriguez, Hall, and, and Rushman as well. One uh, thing that just popped into my head as far as the, uh, the over-under, the American League East is getting matched up with the NL Central in interleague. So that could, you know, being a weaker division there, maybe that, uh, maybe that boosts a couple wins, even if the Orioles do improve over last year and kind of take some wins away from the big teams. Yeah, could offset with games against the Reds and the Pirates. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to take the over, like you guys. I think three teams win at least 90. Which ones? Don't ask me that. I think there will be, I think there will be three. A fourth's going to come close. And I'm also starting to think that this is the year that the gap closes on the AL East. Only two teams in the division are going to make the postseason. So you'll have three 90-win teams, but only two playoff teams. I go over two and a half, only two make the playoffs. Uh, okay, number of pitchers to throw 200 innings in 2022. There were only four last year. We're going to set it at two and a half pitchers to throw 200 innings this year. What do you have? That's so difficult because of the shortened spring training, right? We still, we're still looking for a normal year, a normal full spring training, a normal ramp up. So that's going to impact early in the season, obviously. Wow, two and a half. I, you know, I'm just, uh, just because it's hard for me to, to, to not think about somebody, a couple of guys doing it. I'm going to take the over somewhere, somehow. Somebody's going to find a way to do it. But, you know, against my better judgment, I'm going to take the over. But uh, I'm skeptical even of my own choice right there. Well, we had four last year. And would we have, if we were sitting around doing this last year, would we have taken the over last year? And we got it. I'll go under, but just for, uh, just, so it's on the record here. The four pitchers that did it last year, Zach Wheeler, Walker Bueller, our pal Adam Wainwright, the ageless one, mm -hmm. was third in the big leagues in innings, and Sandy Alcantara from the Marlins. So those are the four last year. We'll see who can do it this year. I will go under. I'm taking the under as well. You mentioned Zach Wheeler. He led with 213 innings. He's been slow to progress here in spring training. I sadly believe... No one pitches 200 innings this season. And it's more because of what you were talking about, David. It's because I just don't think time's going to be on anyone's side here due to the shortened spring training and the training wheels that each pitching staff is going to have on for most likely the first month, month and a half or so. You, you see teams bringing 16 pitchers on their opening day roster to start the season with the 28 roster spots to begin. Guys, I think will come close, but... They're going to be at a deficit early. I don't think teams are going to make it up, so to speak. I also think this could be an opportunity where we see an innings chase, so to speak, over the summer. Like We're going to be rooting on those guys who are coming close to the 200-inning mark. That's how heartbroken, I, you know, if you're a pitching purist, that I, that's, that's where we're at, at least for 2022. We'll see. Yeah, shouts out. You know, James Smythe has been all over this for the last several years about – changing the qualifier for the starting pitchers and, and qualifying for the, for the ERA title, for all these stats that a lot of great pitchers just won't qualify for because it needs to be adjusted. And James, you've been, you've been all over this for a while. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. I think that historically it's about two and a half pitchers per team in the league that qualify. And now that number has just been plummeting because pitchers aren't hitting the one inning per team game, getting to 162 innings. If we lower the bar to include, instead of making it a certain number to hit, if you make it a certain, 
if you pick pitch in the top 90 or 100 in innings, I think that can get you over the bar. And that and over the last few years, that can get us to around 130. If you're at right. 130 innings, you are in the top 90 to 100 pitchers. That's around three starters per team. So here are the top three guys on each team, give or take. And that gives us a better idea of who the regular pitchers were. Hey, based off last year, we know anything, any guidelines could be changed on the fly during the season. Do you think it gets that drastic with the innings drought, so to speak, that they're forced to maybe alter the criteria here? I don't know if you can do it during the season, but I think it is something that eventually will have to be changed because it's, it's getting to the point of being meaningless. If we only have 25 pitchers in a league that qualify and then you say, okay, so-and-so pit finished 10th in the league in ERA, what's well, 10th out of 25, not 10 out of 80 or, or whatever number you want to, you want to set as here's the group of regular pitchers. Yeah, you can't have pitchers getting Cy Young Award votes and not even qualifying on the right. innings limit. So it, it screams out for a curve, for a bell curve. Okay. All right. This was one that I wanted to include Jacob DeGrom on, but it, it would kind of, you know, be obsolete at this point because he's going to miss a decent chunk to start this season. So let's go with number of starts made by Max Scherzer for the Mets, and we will set it at 27 and a half. Can I wait and see how his side session goes today and get back to you in about four hours? So, um, you know, uh, he's the thing is, is that I think I'm going to take the over. Uh, it's a good matchup for Scherzer because he's got Buck Showalter as his manager. And if you saw Scherzer, he threw five innings in his first spring training game this year. He's, he's already uh, got his pitch count way up to, to better than anybody in, in either league right now, even at his age. And, Buck Showalter believes in that. I know. I played for Buck Showalter. He thinks Scherzer's a different cat, a different breed. Um, he doesn't really need to be protected unless there's an injury, a hamstring or something like that. Uh, so I, I think he'll be allowed. He's one of the few pitchers that will be allowed a heavy workload as long as he's healthy, as opposed to a younger pitcher who the organization might say, hey, hey, wait a minute. Let's let's protect this young guy. They're not going to be even allowed to, to, to be pushed that hard in terms of innings or number of starts. So, but Scherzer's the one guy. So I'm, I'm taking the over with him. Against my better judgment, since I tend to be a little more pessimistic on pitcher health and those kinds of things, I'm going to go over because I'm not going to doubt Max Scherzer until he doesn't do something. So going back to his first full season in 2009, he has in 11 of the last 12 full seasons, he's hit 28 plus starts. The only one that didn't was in 2019 when he made 27 starts. So he's made 27 starts in every full season since 2009. And he didn't miss a start in 2020. It was just a short season when he made 12 starts. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go over on Scherzer there. Yeah, I think part of the allure with Scherzer is the ability to be that guy, find a way to take the ball every fifth day. And I don't think that's going to change here. I think he's just going to find a way and, I think the Mets are going to need every bit of it. I think Scherzer's health may make or break this team season. You're kind of at a point where you need to accept that you can't rely on Jacob DeGrom as great as he is when he's on the mound. Like we said, he's the best in the world, but Scherzer's going to find a way to be consistent for this team at age 37. I'll take the over 27 and a half starts for Max Scherzer. All right. A true false prop guys. 
True or false, both Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff will pitch to sub-three ERAs for the Brewers. Yeah, you know, I, this is such a tricky one because I know, speaking from experience, that one bad start here or there, especially early in the season, can skew your ERA and you're playing catch-up the rest of the year. I think both of them will continue to be high-quality starters, continue to, to, to feature high-quality stuff, but I'm going to say no on that because of the unforeseen, the random variance factor, the 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 Babbitt gods, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, whatever you believe in out there in baseball, whether it's uh, the bounce of a ball, it's random variance, you believe in the science of it all or not. I know my mom did. Joan Cohn believed in do. I think both of those guys are probably due. There may be a bad start here or there, maybe a rough ERA game where they suck up some earnings in one or two starts and that blow it up a little bit. So, you know, that that's the only reason. I still think they're great. I still think they're going to be uh, – you know, a big part of, of what goes on in Milwaukee. And I, I like the Brewers overall, be it a tough team, but I'm going to say no on that one, just because of the random variance of things that can happen. I'll go true. I think they will both get under there. Um, as great as they were, it was also backed up under the hood. Uh, you look at the ERAs, Burns, 2.43, led the National League. His FIP, his fielding independent pitching, based more on um, taking away the batted balls, focusing more on, on strikeouts, walks, home runs, was a ludicrous 1.63 as an estimated ERA. Going over to Woodruff last year, 2.56. His FIP was 2.96. So it's not like these guys, more like a uh, maybe a Robbie Ray who had a, a very big difference between their ERA and their FIP. I think they both get under there, and I do like the true for that one. I was going to say over under, but <laughs> I think the other thing too is what if if scoring is way higher than last year then maybe one of them does go over but still finishes in the top 10 in ERA what's the scoring environment going to be in the majors and in the national league yeah i'm going to go true as well i think they both pitched to ERAs under 3 i think both are approaching an area where they're looked at as you know uh, pitching freaks in terms of production i think corbin burns has the ability to replicate his Cy Young season his cutter's disgusting, like we know. I think Woodruff actually has the ability to outpitch Corbin Burns. David, you've talked about this a lot. You talk about internal competitions to kind of make sure the, the torch is passed each day, that drive to be great and to keep your team going in whatever rhythm of success that they have going for them at that point in time. The bar is being set extremely high in Milwaukee, and I think they both do it here. Not even talking about Freddie Peralta either. I mean, That's they're, right. They're- They've got some great pitching up there in Milwaukee. So, yeah, that's going to carry them. Universal DH, I'll hurt, though. True. All right, guys, breakout pitcher for 2022. Who do you have? Yeesh. Wow. It could be a starter. It could be a reliever. It could be anyone. James, you want to go first? Uh, sure, I'll take it. Um, I'm going to go Logan Gilbert with the Mariners. He only he had a 4.68 ERA, but he looked pretty impressive. We go to some of the underlying things. He had an above average strikeout rate. He had an excellent walk rate and his fielding independent pitching was about a run lower. I think the Mariners have something cooking there, even if they're not, you know, completely a contender with the Astros in the AL West. I'm going to go Logan Gilbert for a little breakout pitcher. Even though this guy probably was a breakout last year and it's a kind of a bane to the Yankees, you know, Garrett Whitlock in Boston as a reliever last year had you know, kind of a breakout year as a rookie, but I think they have bigger plans for him and maybe even transitioning him possibly 
to the rotation. So that there's been whispers of that up there. Alex Cora has kind of alluded to that. I think Garrett Whitlock uh, has some incredible stuff. It's getting better. His breaking ball has come along for the ride. He's got a, he's already had a good fastball and a good changeup. Now he's got that third pitch to go with it that you need to be a starting pitcher. He has some of the best extension on his delivery of anybody in the big leagues as measured by StatCast. So, yeah, maybe he transitions to the road rotation and becomes a breakout starter this year as Garrett Whitlock in Boston. I'm staying in the American League. I'll stay in the AL East as well, and I'm going to the bullpen. Brooks Raley, lefty reliever for the Tampa Bay Rays. I thought it was a really good signing by Tampa Bay in the offseason. He got a two-year deal, and he had an ERA over four in 2021. But if you take a look, like you like to say, James, under the hood, he is going to be a source of, of frustration for a lot of AL East hitters. Tops in the league in soft contact last year, lowest hard hit rate. Does it with a lot of spin on both his fastball and his curveball. I'm going to go with Brooks Raley of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, okay. We've reached the end. Cy Young Award winners for each league. Who do you have? Wow. I'll defer to James once again here. L let me uh, rack my brain here a little bit. I'm, I'm wavering. Okay. Uh, we'll start in the National League. I'll go with Walker Bueller. Um, he is currently, let's see, third in the NL Cy Young odds here on this list uh, of betting odds for Cy Young contenders there. I feel like there are a lot more fun dark horse type guys in the national league. Sandy Alcantara. I like a lot. Max Fried. I like a lot. Maybe Carlos Rodon is healthy for the whole year and can have that kind of season for the giants. AL. I don't want to say it's more boring, but I, I'm going to go a little more um, chalky uh, with between guys like Cole, Shane Bieber, Lucas Giolito. I'm going to, I'm going to go on the American league. I'll go, you know, since I went a little, a little more down the middle in the national league with Bueller, I'm going to go Shane McClanahan on, uh, on Tampa Bay with the American league Cy Young award. Okay. He's, he's got some electric stuff. Boy, he's, he's something that lefty his ball jumps all over the place. So. To me, I'm going to stay traditional now. I'm racking my brain. You know, I think this is Garrett Cole's year in the American League. I think he's got something to prove. Uh, did not like the way the season ended last year. Lost to Boston in the, in the playoffs. Had the hamstring issue down the stretch. Uh, got a lot of heat for, for the spider tack issue in the middle of the season. Um, you know, I, I've liked what I've seen this spring. You know, it's kind of been here and there. I thought the first inning that I saw him pitch this spring, the life was there. The spin was there. Uh, you know, I, I like what I've seen from Garrett Cole. I think this is the year that, that he steps up and becomes the frontline starter that the Yankees signed, even though he already has been, but I think he takes it to another level wins the Cy Young. And uh, you know, James, thanks for the reminder, but I do really think that Max Fried uh, coming off of a great postseason, pitching that clincher game in game six of the world series last year, gives him a lot of confidence He's not going to be the open today starter again for the second time in a row. They have a great team in Atlanta. He's the leader of the pitching staff. They're going to score a lot of runs. He's going to be well-supported. Uh, Max Fried in the National League, to me, is the front runner for the Cy Young. Yeah, for me in the American League, I agree with you, David. I think this is Garrett Cole's FU season to the rest of the sport here. I think he finally gets his hands on a Cy Young award after being that elite arm for the last several years. I think he's going to do it with – 
sweeping success. I'm going to go even further. ERA title, strikeout title. And I think this Yankees pitching staff is going to keep improving under Matt Blake, under Desi Druschel. And Cole, because of that, I think he's going to feel less and less of a, of a burden to carry the staff on his back, in my opinion. Is it a rosy outlook? Could, could be, but I think Garrett Cole has all the tools to kind of put it together and run away with it. Also because, James, like you mentioned, the, the pool is, isn't as deep in the AL as it is in the National League. This was tough to, to pick here. And I've been in love with taking Sandy Alcantara for this all-off season, but it kind of seems like that's the trendy pick. It's become one of the, the in-vogue picks. So I'm going to go with Brandon Woodruff of the Milwaukee Brewers. He finished fifth last season. I think it's all there. Strikeouts, chase rate, soft contact. The velo's up there. I'm going to take Brandon Woodruff in the National League. I got made, uh, well, I'm not going to go as far to say I think we've made people smarter. Uh, it's always debatable for, for us here. But really quick, as we close it out, your World Series picks um, with as little context as possible. What do you have, James? I will go with the... Blue Jays over the Dodgers. Okay. Yeah, that, that that's hard to argue. I mean, in the National League, it's hard to, to look past the Dodgers, right? But I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick a, a rematch of the 1996 World Series in the Braves and the Yankees. I'm gonna say that the Yankees the, their hell stands up and they surprise some people. But yes, I think the Braves get back to the World Series this year. Like it. I'm going to pick the White Sox over the Braves. The White Sox have some pitching issues to start the season, but I think the AL Central is still theirs to be one. I think some teams who have improved in the division are going to make the White Sox hungrier and more consistent. So I'm going with Chicago getting that title over Atlanta. All right, guys, nothing left but to watch the games now. And uh, hey, if you've been following us here on Towing the Slab all offseason, we're going to keep bringing the energy. We're going to keep bringing some really good guests. It might not be every single week like we've kind of had during the offseason. You may see more of us three throughout following the things that are kind of coming to our doorstep as the season progresses. But we're going to have some great insight, great guests. They're going to continue to come on here on the show. And it's going to be nothing but pitching as we get ready to go. Finally, we have a podcast during the baseball season guys it's gonna be fun i'm looking forward to uh riding this wave with you guys absolutely stay tuned now we can now we now the good good part happens yeah all right here we go enjoy opening day everybody and let the action begin here in 2022 tone with the slab pitching with david cone is a production of john boy media enjoy the game everybody we'll talk to you soon